right now, after doing such a stellar job yesterday, it's time for another news update with Racing.com's Kate Watts. How are you, Wattsy? Very good, Michael. Thanks so much for, for having me back. And uh, just firstly, though, the rumour is true that the reason that you've got me and a couple of us from Racing.com is the fill-ins because the illustrious Matt Stewart, he's off on the junket to King Island for the Miners' Rest Cup. It's pretty easy for some, isn't it? You wouldn't believe it, would you? Uh, Matt Stewart, uh, he's outbid all of us here. Uh, management have said, you know what, the hardest working person should get these little junkets. So I don't know how Matt Stewart's name floated to the top of uh, the list, but he's he's off to King Island tomorrow, which is going to be a cracking Saturday meeting, the, the Miners' Rest Cup with, I think, half of Victoria, who's going to flood King Island. Well, so. I've, I've just seen them, the private jets this morning on social media. We're from Racing.com. We've got Jared Dooley, Ben Spall's heading there. I saw Adam Hamilton. He tweeted saying, I'll oh, see you there soon. They're all off in the, the jets. So, yeah, we, I think we've missed the boat because, as you mentioned, it's, it's going to be an incredible day over there for the Miners' Rest Cup. And I'm pretty... I quite like the concept to be able to support the racing there. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Looking forward to hearing uh, Matt Stewart's tales and there. No doubt will be plenty of those when he comes back <laughs> to work on Monday for the verdict. We might need a market to uh, find out or frame where he may end up on Saturday night. God knows where he'll end up. Uh, let's oh, I'm hope. sure, we, as you mentioned, we'll hear all the tales. But I've got to say, just an incredible chat before with our great friend Dean Lester. It was so comforting to be able to hear his voice and hear in his own words about the battles that he's now facing. And he's just such an amazing man. And I heard one of the texts that came through before. He's not just a fantastic friend for us all, but he's just part of our weeks, our mm. day-to-day life, isn't it? The text saying that, you know, he's the one that everyone texts through, all your random friends, all the messages saying, what's Dino like? And especially, what's the Ramaruffy this week? You know, that's a, that's a part of our, our week-to-week life. Yeah, he's an amazing man, and uh, his strength, uh, and a lot of people don't understand what Dino's been through in the last few years to actually continue working and to continue providing the tips, and um, actually, Mikey, I might actually, um, this was the last set of tips that Dino actually gave on air as a tipster, I think it was the 4th of January, January, um, and, and Dino was in this battle then, um, needing multiple blood transfusions. But the way he was able to continue doing the form to such a level that he tipped the eyes out of this card. Uh, Maddie, I reckon there's uh, maybe a little bit of value around number three, Princeton Award. I think this is a really good race for him. Princeton Award over the top has got up to win it. My best is race seven, number six, Savvy Sovereign. Savvy Sovereign's held it. Savvy Sovereign's pinched it. Terrific ride, Ben Allen. Uh, the value is obviously race six, number six, Mount Naseko. Mount Naseko, Mount Naseko just won. That's a snapshot of what Dino would do on a weekly basis and for him to do that when he's battling his ill health uh, is quite remarkable and it may well be the last time that we hear Dino's set of tips and yeah. uh, we hope it's not, but if it is, it's a, a stellar way to uh, remember Dino, the great tipster. But as he said and as we spoke about, it's not just his tipping, it's what he's done for a lot of people behind mm-hmm. the scenes in the industry which will never be forgotten. And continues to do. You mentioned we heard from from Jai McNeil, spoke to him as well. And there's so many people within the industry. You know, he's, he's given confidence to, and he talked about the passion that he has for it, and he wants to see the best for it. When we, you know, the proposed program changes for the spring carnival that you guys had on the show on Monday, uh, like so many, I'm sure I wanted to hear what his dean think about mm. it, and because um, he's, you know, he's got the best interests at heart, and he's so passionate about it that you can still hear, even though he's 
really, really going through this battle at the moment. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Um, wonder who Dino would have liked in the, the Magic Millions mm-hmm. if he was doing his, uh, his normal level of form because it's an intriguing race today. It's been pushed back to the yep. Thursday and... We'll get an update on the track. It's it's just in that softish range as we speak, but it was still rated heavy up until 24 hours ago. So yeah. I, I know you've been speaking to a number of the major contenders and what's some of the information you've been able to glean? Yeah, well, I know you're speaking to a few of the trainers, so uh, caught up with a couple of the jockeys, including Jamie Carr. We saw that she's taken out the first event at the meeting back on the Saturday last week. It feels like so long ago, but as you mentioned, everyone, not to forget that it's back on today. She's flown up early this morning at 7am, and then they're back tonight, a number of the jockeys, so it's a really busy day, busy time at the moment for them. She said she was tired just thinking about it yesterday, but one of her key chances is Sovereign Fun in the $2 million Magic Millions two-year-old classic. That's now race number three that's going to be run at 37 past three. You mentioned how it's in the soft range. Sovereign Fun is undefeated from two starts, including a last start victory. She was on board on that occasion at Doombin and just said there is the genuine query whether or not the capitalist Colt, if he's going to get through the track, but she's really happy with him. She thinks he's got a lot of untapped ability, but he's only doing as much as he has to. So she said she can't wait to be on board today and just to see that a horse is going to challenge him and what he'll produce. And she thinks he's got a big motor that he's going to be really around the market. It's just going to be how he's going to get through the track. He's drawn wide, so he's one of the widest draws in Barrier 17. So interesting to see. She's a little bit worried about it, but she thinks, as we saw probably from Saturday, that's going to be the ideal position to be because if it's in that soft range, they're going to get off the fence. Yeah, gosh. Um, what's it going to play? The pattern's going to be the biggest issue because the inside was a no-go zone on Saturday and yeah. I wonder whether it's actually been able to dry out. We'll get the latest from Navesh Ramdani a little later, but that early pattern's going to be um, very intriguing. Mickey D is another of the local jocks who's headed up to the Gold Coast. Yeah, talk about how you're going to be catching up with uh, ben Hayes and the Lindsay Park crew about Croatian Bell and the big women's syndicate. Grace Ramming, she'll be pretty nervous right now, I think, because let alone the $2 million prize money, but it's the $500,000 ladies' bonus for the 38 ladies, I think, who are involved for this Brazen Bow Philly. She's third up. We saw those runs at the Valley undefeated from the two wins to begin her career. McDee, he was on the previous one. He's also been on the plane up at 7 a.m. this morning. He, he was a little bit concerned about the awkward draw, just saying, but probably now the same from a wide draw, end up in a good spot if she can jump well to get a little bit of cover, hopefully down the middle of the track, get the victory. He is saying, though, she's got a lot of ability, but it's, of course, as for so many of these two-year-olds, a massive step up. But he was pretty confident that she's got the ability to be right there in the finish. Just yeah. Also, quickly, Michael, going back with uh, Jamie Carr, a lot of the jockeys, understandably, don't really want to talk too much about a potential spring carnival shake-up and the Cox Plate move, but I did ask her about it, and she said, I'm stayed out of all of that. It's a bit strange to me for the changes, but in the end, it's not up to us jockeys, and I'll just be there trying to win the races that are on, and hopefully some of them will certainly be here in Victoria. The jockeys follow the money. They'll be wherever it is, <laughs> whenever it is. There's no doubt about that. Um, intrigued, though, to get some of the comments from the trainers. We spoke about a few of the trainers who were supportive of it yesterday. And I know um, Chris Waller has since commented, and even some of the overseas trainers that we've seen over here as well. Yeah, you mentioned about Chris Waller, the, the master trainer. He definitely knows how to win a Cox Plate. And 
he isn't against the changes at all. He said if the industry is going to benefit, if there's going to be more revenue generated for the sport and attracting bigger crowds, I'm not against it. Joseph O'Brien, he commented to The Age saying that a November Cox Plate would not be a negative for the internationals. Having the race later would likely allow an extra run for these gallopers in Europe or the US before they had to come down here for quarantine, and that wouldn't be a deterrent at all, especially for the Euro runners. So, as you mentioned, very intriguing to continue to hear from the trainers about this big potential move. And as Michael Brail alluded to when I spoke to him yesterday, he said that what we could do is maybe trial it for three years, um, and if it works, that's great. If not, we could resume to normal programming, and and that's been... Uh, explained from Racing Victoria as well, that that could be a possibility, a three-year trial. So, anyway, we'll find out what transpires over the next uh, couple of weeks to month because the time is ticking, as Michael Browse said. They need to get this. If they are going to have such a monumental change, they need to get it sorted and organised. What about you, Michael? You've asked all of us what we think. What, What do you think? Do you think that there should be a potential move or are you a bit more of a traditionalist? Uh, I am a traditionalist. I don't think it's broken. And I... um, I don't know. I, I don't know whether the crowds will flock and the punters will flock further back into that November period just because we're going back to November. I think... The reasoning, and I can see and understand the reasoning that Racing Victoria want to move it because they say that the turnover falls off a cliff after Melbourne Cup week. But people have only got so much money. Uh, So if you extend it out by an extra six weeks, who's to say that um, the um, turnover levels will continue to be that high? But I don't know. There's a little part of me that is intrigued and excited to say, well, I can see why that would work. I could see how that would actually look good, um, but then there's the ramifications, the flow-on effect. What's it mean for certain races like the Caulfield Stakes? What's it mean for three-year-olds in a Caulfield, in a Cox Plate? Is the Caulfield yeah. Cup now too far away from the other majors? Would the internationals say, we'll never come back to a Caulfield Cup? What's it mean for the country circuit? Not just Cranbourne, Ballarat, Packardham. What's it mean for the other meetings that piggyback off Cox Plate Day and those traditional race days as well. It's Even yesterday we spoke to Jason Adams and said the Greyhounds pin their features off the back of the Melbourne Spring Carnival. So if you're going to push that back, the Greyhounds will be saying, what are we going to do with our features? We're not, we can't run the Melbourne Cup yeah. now because it's going to get lost there. So, geez, there are so many um, questions to answer. So... Oh, I'm a bit wishy-washy, to be honest. If they came in and said, we're going to do it for three years, I'd probably be comfortable with that. And then if we don't hit our KPIs, we'll bring it back. But it's a big call. I'm glad I'm not the one making the call because a 100 years of tradition, reputations could be made or, or, or ruined on this decision, whichever way they go. It's a big call to make. I know. As you said, luckily, it's just us to us. We have to ask the questions. We don't have to make the decisions now. But even as Dean Lester said, who who is the king, as we know, mentioning once again, what's the impact going to be moving forward to the autumn? But there's there's so much to come with it. A hundred percent. No doubt about that. Good news yesterday. Uh, National Wheeler had a really um, big scare at the, the trials, but he's actually going to be riding now on Saturday. Yeah, well, he said originally you're going to have a bit of a rest seven to ten days, but I think he, as you mentioned, is pretty keen to come back a little bit earlier and and go for that Saturday meeting, just depending on how he feels. You mentioned a bit of a scare. He was in hospital on Monday after not feeling well at the Warwick Farm Barrier Trials. He thanked everyone in a statement coming out. He was released from hospital yesterday saying thanks for the support and also said it's a bit of a warning because obviously he's a very fit 48-year-old. 
And he's been told that he could possibly even have had a heart attack if he continued and didn't go to hospital and get checked out within the next month and, you know, Gee. really maybe made some imminent changes that he's had now. So it is a wake-up call for everyone to continue to get checked, but he's got the clean bill of health now and, um, yeah, has just had extensive testing. He's all okay, but... I think it's a good warning for us all to continue to get checked if you're feeling a little bit off. 100%. And speaking of jockeys, we got to see one of the most extraordinary performances yesterday, which underlines how brilliant and skillful these jockeys are with Blake Shin uh, riding with his whip in his mouth for the entirety of the race after losing one of his irons after a, a, an equipment malfunction. It, just incredible how he, A, managed to stay on, complete the race, and give the horse yeah. a chance at one stage of almost winning. Incredible horsemanship in race five at Sandown yesterday from Blake Shin in the Twilight program there, the Group 1 winning jockey. He was, as you said, as innovative best that he possibly could when his right foot it slipped out of the stirrup pretty much as soon as he came out of the barriers. If only would have gone 10 minutes. He was on board the Tony and Calvin McAvoy trained Colt New Level who ran on well despite the circumstance. So that Colt's one to follow. But uh, Blake as you talked about, he put the whip in the mouth. He was trying to adjust that right foot but he couldn't get it back in. So the whip pretty much stayed in his mouth for the majority of the event as he tried to remain balanced. You can see that uh, Ben Allen coming across from the outside, because Blake was right on the inside drawer and then stayed on the fence. Uh, ben Allen's looking around going, you know, why has he got the whip in his mouth? What's going on? Um, but just incredible horsemanship. There's a story that's just gone up on racing.com speaking to Blake. He said in 20 years of being a jockey, this is something that's never happened to me. And, you know, three things could have happened. He still doesn't know which one it was. The pin came out of the hole, the leather broke itself, or his buckles had just given way. And, it probably wasn't able to locate the, the leather after the race. My iron didn't break because they already found that. So who knows? But fant- unbelievable that he was able to stay balanced. And his first reaction was, I'm sorry for those who backed the horse and and the connections because I couldn't give yeah. it its best chance. Uh, we can give you a pass on that one, Blake. You, know, you did an unbelievable <laughs> job. It gets uh, a pass. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what's he? Maddie Stewart's very nervous because you're doing a stellar job in this news role. Uh, he may just end up moving to King Island, so we might have you permanently anyway. Have you got a selection for us today in the millions? Ooh, that's a bit... Uh, I think... I'd love to hear what Ben Hayes is going to say. And I think Croatian Bells, Grace Ravage has absolutely convinced me that uh, how excited that she is and to get the bonus to be able to go in, I think we'll just have to go. Go Team Victoria, go Croatian Bell and go Ravage. I love it. Have you got any family in Ballarat, Kate? Uh, no, I lived up there when I was working as a young journo, so I've got a few up there. I always okay. like to be able to get back there. I lived there for a few years. I always say it'd be the perfect place if it had a little bit better weather. Well, they love you. Ian from Ballarat. Great to hear Kate on RSN. Her humour and racing knowledge is infectious. Go, Kate. Oh, well, happy happy to be here. Just feeling the very big shoes of Matt Stewart. <laughs> uh, good on you, Watsy. Have a good week. Oh, we might have lost her. She might have got a bit embarrassed with that uh, from Ian from Ballarat. Anyway, she does a great job, Kate Watson.